0: Couldn't sleep at all that night. Just thinking of you. Maybe things weren't right. Well, I was tossing and turning and off. A tossing and turning all night.
1: Good morning, Night Owls! Welcome all you sunrisers and moonrisers to Sleepless in Studio City, a safe place for discussing what's keeping your mind, body, and spirit from sweet, sound slumber. Your host, Dr. Debs, a celebrated columnist, lauded love, romance, relationship, and dating coach, offers simple, soothing solutions and heartfelt help. Dr. Debs will discuss topics such as finding and keeping the love you deserve, dating, marriage, parenting, setting boundaries, breaking the cycle. Breaking up, following your dreams. We respect your privacy and will not reveal names or contact info. If you'd like your questions answered during a show but are hesitant to call in, please feel free to write Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com and she will address your concerns on the next broadcast. You can also find updates and weekly affirmations on Facebook Sleepless in Studio City. And now, without further ado, here.
2: Dr. Debs. Thank you, Zach, for that energizing introduction. Always a pleasure and honor to be here with all you night owls for another exciting episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Stay tuned for our magical musical interlude. I'll be presenting... The stellar, sensational, superb, superstar, composer, arranger, musical director, and pianist, Steve Rollins. You won't want to miss this amazing interview. Steve will be revealing the meaning of music in his life. Advice for aspiring artists, what he believes is the key to finding and keeping love, and much, much more. And he'll be f- performing a tune from his latest CD. I was thinking about <laughs> what if today was your last day on earth? <laughs> what would you do? What if you had a few minutes to pack up your treasures? What would you take? What if, what if, what if? (laughs) Which brings me to investments, not the kind you make. In the money market. Or the kind you make in stocks and bonds. But the kind of investment you make in yourself. (laughs) Where do you put your time? Where do you put your money? What words do you use in conversing? All of those are investments. The most crucial, essential investments you will ever make in your lifetime. Much more essential and valuable than the ones that give you the green stuff. I'm talking about mind, body, and spirit investments. (laughs) How much time do you put into taking care of your body? How much time do you put in taking care of your mind? And most important, how much time do you put in taking care of your spiritual health and your mental health? (laughs) Do you have difficulty giving to yourself? The giver never goes without. (laughs) Do you find it taxing, pun intended? to give to yourself and spend most of your time giving to others till you're so drained you have no time left over for your mental, physical, spiritual growth. We're all born perfect, just the way we are. Then our family, our friends, society, schools try to get us to conform to be who they want us to be, who they expect us to be, who they need us to be for their own satisfaction. Have you been living someone else's life, someone else's dream? What is your dream? What's the reason you've been put on the planet? Have you taken time and invested in discovering who you're meant to be? Or have you bypassed? What you came to the planet to work on by denying and hiding your truth? Do you spend most of your treasured time blaming others for your circumstances? They did this, they did that, they make me feel this way. If only they wouldn't act this way, then I... (laughs) These are all lies we are told from a young age that other people can control us, that we have to succumb to their wishes, demands, and commands, that we don't have inner strength and power, that we aren't good enough, successful enough, capable enough, smart enough, funny enough, pretty enough, handsome enough. Are you dependent on others' approvals? When you decide to take on the mission possible of working on your inner Mishigas, You can get to the place of freedom where you aren't relying on somebody else's expectations or images or fantasy of you. You can get to a place where you treat praise and criticism in the same vein. Praise and criticism are about the person dishing them out. They don't have anything to do with you. They're about that person and their history or her story. How do you invest each minute? What if this were your last day on earth? What would you say? What would you do? How would you act? Would you be with loved ones? And if so, how would you treat them? Would you spend your precious moments putting people down, complaining about the state of affairs? Or would you be in bliss and joy? Would you practice your passion, your creativity? What would you say? What words would you utter? Would they be critical or nurturing? What kind of conversations would you have? Would you gossip? Would you talk trivia? Would you burn bridges or build bridges? How would you speak to yourself? Would you tell yourself you're worthless? How many seconds would you spend degrading, demeaning yourself or others? Or would you find those you can converse with on a higher, deeper, more meaningful level? Ha! If you want to have a significant tete-a-tete with someone you care about, consider these conversation starters. Something you can use when you're practicing the sixth language of love. The intimacy intimacy, where you use that sixth sense. And get to the core, really connect on a deep, deep level like we've been able to do during COVID because we haven't had outside distractions or busy, busy, busyness. We can just be human beings, not human doings. You can ask questions about the other person's family life. How was it for them? Were they emotionally close to their parents and siblings? What activities did they enjoy? If they could change anything about their childhood, what would it be? Ask them about growing up. What was their most painful memory? Who were their heroes? Who encouraged them the most? What was their most fearful time? Were they ever rejected? And if so, how did they handle it? How do they deal with anger? Then ask them about their current situation. What are their hopes and dreams? Where do they want to be in five years? Are they easy to forgive? Do they hold on to resentments? Who would they like to forgive today? If they could do anything in the world, what would it be? What do they do in their spare time? Where do they want to travel What do they like most about their life? What do they like least? What would they like to change? What do they believe their purpose is on the planet? What's the scariest, saddest times in their lives so far? These are all conversation starters that can help you dig deeper using that sixth language of love, getting to the essence of the other person, connecting heart to heart, soul to soul, spirit to spirit. Then take time to invest and contemplate your conversations with yourself. What has that committee been telling you all night long that's ready to attack you when you wake up? What you say to yourself goes out into the universe and affects the rest of the world. When you speak to yourself in a loving, positive way, you're speaking to the rest of the world in a loving, positive way. You can change the vibration and frequency of the entire solar system. It begins with you in your own caress, right in your own backyard. That's where you can make a difference on what may be your last day. Query, if everyone lived this day as if it were their last Would they be more kind, compassionate, tolerant, and accepting? Would they let go of trivia matters and look at the glass half full instead of half empty? Would they find roses on the thorn bush rather than thorns on the rose bush? Would they stop and smell the roses at all? Would they listen to other people, practice active listening? Would they hear that still small voice within? Would they practice being still and pausing, listening to the still small voice, taking a minute to stop and pause so they could hear why they're here? (laughs) You can invest today your time and get interest. What you invest in will grow. You could invest today in being the best version of yourself. Let go of the lies that you aren't worthy, that you don't deserve. You're here for a reason. Everything is possible. The world is your oyster. Let the invisible become visible. You can see the world through a new pair of glasses by embracing the wonder, the awe, the glory, the grace that surrounds you, that's everywhere you are, that's inside of you. Everyone and everything else is just a reflection of you. How do you reflect your light? Is it hidden? Does the bulb need to be replaced with a new fresh one? Are the batteries dying? You can be reborn right this minute. You have all the power you need, all the moxie, the courage, the chutzpah, the gumption. Nothing can stand in your way now. It doesn't depend on your outer circumstances. It's an inside job. No matter what's going on in your life, you can transform right here and right now. You have everything you need. Life is always for you, never against you. Invest today in your highest self and you'll benefit with dividends you couldn't imagine. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Ah, ah. They may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us. And the world will live as one. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. John Lennon. You're my hero. Now it's time for our caller. Hello there. Welcome to Sleepless in Studio City. I'm Dr. Debs. And who am I speaking with? Hi, Debs.
3: This is John in Kauai.
2: Hi, John in Kauai. Well, welcome to the show. And what's on your mind tonight? What's keeping you from sweet, soft slumber?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious about the best way to deal with being told how to think.
2: <laughs> 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 well, that sounds like a big ball of wax. Can you tell me more?
3: Well, it's, yes, it is a it, it is a big ball of wax because it's uh, it's becoming increasingly evident, at least to me, that it's um, just well, it's hard it's hard to describe this in short in sh- a short order, but that the powers that be, to use a, a phrase that's become connotated with all sorts of different things, have a version of reality which they'd like us to believe, and as many of us have grown up through many years have learned while there is reality in certain aspects various people have different opinions and different beliefs and those are every bit as valid for them as others are for themselves and it seems like there's an increasing level of you better believe what I believe because that's objectively correct this pervades Everything, it pervades normal life, but it pervades interpersonal relationships because if you have friends who believe a certain way and you believe a, a different way, it's a big barrier.
2: Ah, well, now you're getting to my cup of tea when you talked about interpersonal relationships. <laughs> right, That's right. my forte there. So you're talking about other people in your life that don't agree with your philosophies. Is that what I'm hearing?
3: Yes, that's, yeah, that's absolutely a way to phrase it. Or you could say, I don't agree with their philosophy.
2: Right. And are you talking about intimate relationships, family relationships, friends? What kind of relationships? Well,
3: that, that's um, friend friend rela- friend relationships because I think once you if you det- if you determine that somebody has a very this, a very different philosophy from your own, it's not a wise idea to get into an intimate
4: relationship with them <laughs> because.
2: <laughs> That's been proven different for different people, as you can tell by certain couples that have been together for a long time and have completely diverse political beliefs, and they've managed right. to stay together. So, in that case and in a lot of other cases, there are a lot of relationships where there are extreme differences in not only philosophies, but in all kinds of areas. And I find that that in itself is not evidence that something is not going to work when there are differences. In fact, how I look at differences in people is I welcome them. I'm not looking for a clone, and I celebrate people's differences, whether it's politically, whether it's philosophy, whether it's about what kind of food to eat or how people live their lives. I love differences because I don't want to be around people that are exactly like I am.
3: What, what about the situation where the philosophy of welcoming differences is, is
2: at odds? Well, again... That's a difference, and that's a different demeanor, just like some people are very friendly, and some people are very shy. I know couples where one person doesn't want to go to parties ever, and the other person goes to parties almost every weekend. Okay. And they go separately. One person goes to the parties, the other person stays home, and they've been together for eons. Happily married, or unmarried, whatever it is, but they've been together in a romantic relationship, and it works. They're completely different. They don't even go out together.
3: But I would, I would say that they, that's the, thing that's, the thing that makes that possible is that they both accept that that's okay.
2: And there's that big word right there, Except. Accept that that's okay. Because it sounds to me, I hear a little bit in your voice that you would love for me to tell you the best way to change other people. Because at the beginning you said, what's the best way to deal with being told how to think? And that's why I said, can you elaborate on that? Now I'm hearing about differences. That word accept just kind of lit up the room. I want to query you with how accepting you are in differences in your life.
3: Well, that's (laughs) of course, that's very insightful. I'm probably not very accepting.
2: Would you say the meter on a scale of 1 to 10 for your tolerance, patience, and acceptance is at a 0, at a 5, at a 7? What level would you say it's been on so far in your life? About a four. Okay. Has it always been that way?
3: No, I think it's got further onto the low, low side, the older I've got, and the more life experience I've
2: had. Right. And it can go either way, that meter. I think I can say, personally, for me, I'm the opposite of that. So there again, here's some differences, because for me, my meter, as I've gotten older, has gone up to a 10
3: Okay. Well, that's
2: good. You know, no, but again, there's a judgment, okay? And along with acceptance is a judgment. Would you say you're judgmental? Yeah, yes. I feel like they go together. I wanted to ask you your level of acceptance and being judgmental. Did you grow up in an accepting household? Accepting of each other, or accepting of you? What was the level in the household you grew up in?
3: Well, in, hind- in hindsight, the level was high, but in participation at the time, it seemed like it was very low.
2: So, did you feel judged and not accepted when you were growing up?
3: Yes, yes, may- I? Could, yes, maybe. I can't say that I've. I, I can't say that I've given it a lot of thought. And so, my answer, if I think about it now would be that, would be yes, maybe.
2: Right, and that is something to... Think about, because, you know, we don't come out of the womb not being accepting and judgmental. We're kind of free and pure, and then we start to get influenced not only by our families, but by society, by school, by friends, by the media. We're talking about tolerance, acceptance, letting people think the way they think without trying to change them. I grew up in a household with three children. Differently. Was there a level of acceptance there? Not really at all. I was told, Why can't you be like your sister? Right. Covertly and overtly. Maybe not in so many words, but definitely <laughs> between the lines. In my family, I was told, Why can't you be like the Joneses? You know, all I would hear was stories, Well, so and so's kids did this, they did that. I don't know if you had any of those experiences as a kid
3: not as explicitly i don't say i don't believe
2: right but it's the implicit so, ones just like you said i have to think about it those are the ones that are even more impactful when they're not explicit
3: so are you saying that dealing with non acceptance is best done by increasing one's own acceptance
2: Bingo. When one finger is pointed outward, right now, if you hold your index finger and point outward, you're going to see three pointed back at you. Always, when something bothers us about someone else or something else, those three fingers are pointed back at you. And yes, it's an inside job, I always say. The way to change the world is to start with ourselves. That's why I would say how accepting judgmental and tolerant are you even of yourself? Are you a perfectionist? Are you on your case? Do you strive and strive and feel like things are not good enough?
4: Oh yes, that's uh,
3: that's I remember reading that in one of your letters that it's the one one of the demons is perfectionism.
2: Did you relate to and, that?
3: Oh, absolutely. Because okay. Somebody has, said, somebody has said to me that perfection is the is the enemy of good.
2: Wow. Okay. So now, ooh, I got chills just now. I think we got <laughs> to the gist of it when you started out saying what's the best way of dealing with being told how to think, meaning by other people, and now we've turned this all around to perfectionism and how you can deal with your own characteristics with the things that you do have control over because you don't have control over other people or how they think. But it starts with you. My experience is when I change, the people around me change. It's just the law of nature. Speaking of law of nature, it's a law. It does work to get to the truth. As we did just now, we turned from the outer to the inner, discovering what is really the case here. On that note, we're going to take a brief station break and come right back and talk more about perfectionism, acceptance, tolerance, and how you can change from the inside out. Hold on to that thought, John. We'll be right back. Okay. <coughs> the moment you've been waiting for our magical (laughs) musical interlude featuring the acclaimed artist, the all-around multi-talented Steve Rollins. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's a pleasure and honor to have you.
4: Well, thanks so much, Deborah. Thanks for having me.
2: (laughs) I wanted to start out by hearing a little bit about your history when you first found a passion for music?
4: Well, um, I was very fortunate. There was always music in my house. Um, my parents, well, they didn't have a piano or any instrumental until they were growing up, but they wanted it for, for their kids. And uh, rather ambitious, instead of just getting a piano, a used one or an old one or renting it, my dad figured if he's going to get a piano, we should get a good one. So they went to Steinway Hall in New York and got a Steinway up our piano. Ooh. And um, and they tried some lessons for a while, and uh, my sister played for many years, and it sh- and it stuck with me.
2: Oh, just the thought of a Steinway piano <laughs> brings me a smile and joy. Is that your main instrument and your love?
4: <laughs> well, I, I also played the trumpet for many years, but I it's been many years since I, I have mid-thirties, but um, I was always so busy composing and orchestrating that um, I just decided to focus on that and, and with the piano.
2: What is your favorite part about composing and orchestrating?
4: <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I have a favorite part. i just like, I'm, I'm very grateful I get to be creative and do different creative things. So it's just, just sort of the, the, uh, the actual act of making music, whether I, I enjoyed performing, I enjoyed recording, but I think I enjoyed the creation part the most.
2: Right. And did you have any training, any formal training?
4: Well, um, like I said, I started taking lessons when I was five years old. The junior high school I went to, Emerson Junior High in West Los Angeles, had a wonderful music program. And uh, I was playing the trumpet and, uh, at, in, uh, in all the orchestras and bands. And my high school teacher at University High School in West Los Angeles. Uh, the music, had a great music department. The teacher was a guy named John Magruder, who played baritone sax with Don Ellis's band. Ooh. And I was writing big band arrangements and all kinds of arrangements throughout high school. Oh. Uh, in, in fact, one of the first ones, the big band singer at my high school was Lorna Loft the Judy Garland oh. daughter.
2: <laughs> wow. Um,
4: I went to the University of Northridge, but I, I didn't really care for it. But I was very, very fortunate. Um, a gentleman who just passed away very recently, you're probably familiar with the name Sammy Nestico, he was lots of for Count for Basie and lots yes. sort of other things. He had just moved to Los Angeles and was teaching at Pierce College. I uh, had a big band and I, I played in that twice a week and studied with him and he, he let me bring in arrangements and stayed oh. after class and explained orchestra So.
2: not only were you a child prodigy, but you had great mentors. Who else inspired you through the years?
4: <laughs> well, there's so many composers and arrangers and performers that, that I'd, I'd like to listen to. I'm a big Dave Grusin fan and Nelson Riddle, Billy May, and you know a lot, Robert Farnon, a lot of those kind of people. You know, I, I like all styles of music, all kinds of classical and country and all kinds of pop.
2: Do you have a favorite genre?
4: Not really. I mean, it's all music. It's, a, it's more a song by song, performance by performance kind of thing, as, as opposed to a specific style.
2: Do you have any advice for aspiring artists? <laughs>
4: well, one thing I did, and I was very, also very fortunate, in Los Angeles, when, when I was in my high school years, just out of high school, there used to be a lot of used record stores, and I would go... There was a place called Heron's. there was a Rhino Records, there was a whole bunch of them, and um, a lot of times they had records that were used, or DJ copies, or just various other things, and I just bought lots and lots of... At one point, I had over 5,000 albums, Woo. and I just listened to a lot of people, and then went out and heard as much live music as I could, and read, just drank it all in as much as much as possible. Oof. That's super valuable. Now, now with YouTube, I mean, you can listen to, there's all kinds of options of being able to listen to stuff.
2: Wow. Wonderful words of wisdom from a master. What is the meaning of music in your life?
4: <laughs> These are big questions. They're, they're <laughs> almost, there's more than one answer, you know. I mean, it's, uh, it's relaxation, it's creativity, it's uh, how I make a living. You know, it's a little bit of everything. Uh. It's, uh, it's obvious a lo- obviously a lar- very large part.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. And I'm looking forward to having you as a featured performer at my pianist's showcase and benefit for the Innocence Project on February 24th. That will be such a privilege and an honor. Since this is a show about love and relationships, I was wondering what you thought is the key to finding and keeping love in your life. Well,
4: (laughs) I'm still looking for all the answers. I'm grateful I've, I've got a lot of people that are very special in my life, and I'm very, very grateful I have. Two wonderful daughters and three grandchildren and loving, supportive family and friends. So I have so so much to be grateful for. As far as the key or any real advice, I'm not really sure if if I can.
2: (laughs) Yes, but you've got two daughters and three grandchildren. That's the holy grail. What would you say is the key to staying connected and a loving father and grandfather?
4: Well, I'm, I'm just doing the, I'm doing the best I can. I, like I say, I've got I've a very special living relationship with all of them, and it's exceedingly meaningful to me.
2: Oh. Are they supporters of your music? Are they on your team, cheerleading you?
4: Oh, uh, very much so. Both my daughters are very musical. Oh. Um, my oldest daughter is a wonderful singer, and she's, she also uh, teaches. She's a choral director and very accomplished, and it's really great I get to uh, work with her so
2: Oh wow! Know,
4: circumstances where I, I need singers and background singers. She she reads great and voices great, and so it's it's really you know one of my favorite things I get to do.
2: Oh, they say we don't fall far from the nest, which is true here. So, bravo for you! How exciting! I was wondering what song we are going to hear.
4: Well, I I have recently written a song with uh, Mark Winkler, who I believe you've had on your program several times. Right. Mark's a wonderful lyricist and songwriter and singer. Um, I wrote this melody and kind of had kind of a Tony Bennett type style thing in mind. And uh, then he added lyrics to it. And there's a singer in Las Vegas named George Bugatti, who I've been working with on and off most often with uh, a tribute to the music of Sam of uh, Harold Arlen, with Sam Arlen, Harold Arlen's son, and uh, get to go around the country and do these you know, great concerts and performing arts centers in various venues uh, with all this great Harold Arlen music. And um, I thought George would be the right choice. He lives in Las Vegas, and I live here, so I recorded the, recorded the tracks in Los Angeles with the quartet and um, was planning to either I was going to go to Las Vegas or he was going to come here, and, and uh, work on the vocals, but with COVID, the, the months kind of kept flying by, and so eventually uh, I got him to go into a studio in Las, in Las Vegas and give me a couple takes and put it all together, and it's uh, been released about three weeks ago.
2: Oh, wow, and who's on the track?
4: Well, I am playing piano. Jay Leach, a wonderful guitar player who I first met at the John Davidson show when I used to write for that. John Hatton, who's a, a wonderful guitarist, and, and Kevin is, uh, is, is playing drums there, Kim Winard.
2: The title of the track is?
4: Nobody Else But You.
2: Nobody Else But You. I like that title. <laughs> do you have any other projects coming up?
4: Starting next week is uh, another wonderful vocalist I've, I've, I've performed with live that I'm going to record for the first time with. Uh, Elena Morrow going to do 10 songs for an album and have a, have a great band put together for that. So we, we start recording next Monday.
2: Another wonderful vocalist that has been on the show. And we'll Happy. have to have her back <laughs> and have both of you in the hearing a tune from this new magnum opus project <laughs> of yours. Okay. Before we say adieu, is there anything else you'd like to say to your friends, family, and fans?
4: <laughs> well, I'm just a, I'm, a very... Uh, Honored to have you invite me on, and and thank you for asking me. And uh, just everyone stay safe, stay well, and uh, stay creative.
2: Oh, well, it's been pure joy and bliss. Without further ado, we're going to hear Steve Rollins in Nobody Else But You. Take it away, Steve. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you you so much. Bye-bye now. Okay, bye.
0: i guess i'm just old-fashioned i love the things of old black and white movies and dancing slow and big bands on the radio those things seem timeless that's always been my refrain you're pretty timeless kiss me And I'll explain Nobody makes me happy Nobody makes me smile And nobody's face Can make my heart race But you Anybody friend or a confidant they don't know the way to brighten my day like you it's true what would I do without you only a fool could say i must have been smart to let you carry my heart away darling nobody buys me presents chocolate and champagne too oh i've said my jokes Unlike other folks, but you No one at all, no, nobody else, but you
2: Great was that. Welcome back to the show, John. We were talking about how it's an inside job and being frustrated with other people's acceptance, tolerance, that we can turn inward, look at how we can change ourselves. Is that something you'd like to do?
3: (laughs) Uh, That's a a very direct question. And... um, the direct answer is no.
2: <laughs> I love it. Wait, John. I love your honesty because I was thinking of that, and I thought, wait, I don't want to have to change. Why should I change? Let them change. Why can't they be better?
3: Or, or not even have them change, but have them um, become irrelevant.
2: Meaning by?
3: Meaning by just exclude excludes exclude the people that want to change you from having significance or any interaction with you.
2: Right. Wow. I love that concept because I've been doing that my whole life. I've been nixing people just like that (laughs) with a click of my fingers. Okay, you did something... That was hurtful. That I don't like. That I don't agree with it. Okay, off with your head. You know, you're out.
3: Right, right.
2: One by one, dropping them like dominoes. Is that working for you?
3: (laughs) Well, when you having having as you've seen a high level of perfectionism inherent in myself, it. It narrows the field dramatically when you start doing what you describe. I mean, it's my life is my life is evidence of that. Evidence of that. If, if you do that, what you described, off with off with their heads and and eliminate them from your circle. Your circle gets pretty small until finally it's a dot.
2: I was gonna say that your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> Is that something that's working for you, or would you like your world to grow?
3: Well, I'd like my world to be a little bigger, but not at not at the price of um, of incorporating not at not at the price of in, in, of reincorporating the people that or or the yeah the people that I've just decided I needed to ignore.
2: Right. Well, I'm not suggesting you go backwards. I'm suggesting you go forward. How's your discernment? Um, it's fair. By that I was referring to the fact that of these people in your mind that you're talking about, did you see red flags ahead of time at the beginning of the relationships or were you taken off guard?
3: Well, I'll tend to be reasonably accepting and learn learn as I go along. In other words, if I'm not going to I'm not going to start any kind of relationship, whether it's, whether it's intimate or personal or friendship or anything else, with somebody that I can that I see almost immediately is, or that I see immediately is somebody that I want to have nothing to do with. But absence absent that snap judgment, you could probably say, I'll give people. I wouldn't say the benefit of the doubt, but I'll give people. Who, who seem otherwise pretty great. I'll give them the chance to, for me to learn a bit more about them.
2: Back to your original question, I was wondering if you could be specific about one example of someone telling you how to think and how to deal with them. Uh,
3: okay, um, that's that's more. It's more difficult because when I look at when I when I analyze people that I'm or, or situations that I'd like to use as examples, use as an example. They're not as they're not as clear-cut. They feel, they feel clear-cut to me when I'm thinking about them, but they're not as clear-cut as this would, this would imply.
2: Whatever it and, is that is affecting you and bothering you, it's valid. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that you've probably hit the nail on the head already when you said that it, a higher level of acceptance is probably is a good thing.
2: Right. In the examples that you're thinking about of people that you've had to cut out of your life, if you were more accepting of them, would you want them in your life still or back in your life?
3: Um, I think it's more whether I'd want them in my life to a greater or a lesser extent rather than in or out.
2: Well, that's another category in itself. I mean, we are talking in generalities. Each one could take a whole different show to talk about. I know I have to have boundaries with a lot of people when I discover what their philosophy is. There are certain people I won't talk to about politics at all. At all. Just don't talk about that subject. There are certain people I won't talk about parenting with because I don't agree with them or right. they don't agree with me, or they're judgmental, or this and that. So boundaries come in there, too. And I find the more boundaries I have, the more I can keep people in my life that I don't agree with.
3: Yes, so it's a, so it's a delicate interplay between boundaries and acceptance.
2: Definitely. And each one is huge. I don't know which one comes first, the chicken or the egg. I think they work together. Right. How's your boundary setting these days?
3: Um, it's okay. It's okay. It's probably probably on the high side in terms of I've set a lot of boundaries. Um, but it's but it, I definitely I definitely find that that challenge between acceptance and boundaries to be a challenge. I definitely like, and one of the reasons I like reading what you write often is that you make, you raise different questions and help me examine the different ways, different ways of of dealing that, dealing with things and it doesn't necessarily mean I want to change or, or it changes me, it just broadens my perspective.
2: I love it. Well, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm really touched and moved by that. I appreciate it it makes everything worthwhile to hear somebody else can hear things and they say when the student is ready the teacher appears so <laughs> right, right, right. well i want to get to the issue of how you talk to yourself because you know then that words are really powerful they can build people up they can burn bridges or build bridges How do you speak to yourself being a perfectionist? Are you on your case when you wake up in the morning, when you go to sleep at night? Do you beat yourself up with words? How do you speak to yourself?
3: No, when I go to sleep at night, I make a very conscious and a lifelong effort to bury my head in the sand.
2: Okay, so you let up then, and you can sleep peacefully during the night. That's correct. Are you on your case during the day then or in the morning? Some people talk about how when they wake up in the morning, the committee has already been up for hours on their case.
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's just it's there all the time.
2: Okay. That there all the time, I would say, is the best way to deal with all of these Issues that we were talking about. That's where the change would be. It's okay that you don't want to do that. But just hearing that as a starting place. Mm -hmm. How you speak to yourself. The, I'll call it, what's there all the time. This looming perfectionism. I would start right there. How you talk to yourself. Like, I'm good enough. I did enough today. I'm Whatever it is in the moment when that looming perfectionism devil is talking to you and saying, you're not good enough, John. Oh, John, why did you do that? Oh, John, can't you do this? And you can change that voice. And and you're
3: right. That that, that definitely works.
2: Have you tried that lately? Yes. Yes. When 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 I got a few things done
3: recently, then I was thinking about oh, I'd ever get anything done. And then I, I thought back, oh, yes, I did. I got this and this and this done, which was a big deal. So you can, I can rest easy. That that wasn't a waste of time.
2: Well, great. It sounds like you're already doing it. You know, you said you don't want to change, but you actually are because those are the tools to change. Have you ever written down any of these? I recommend writing down a list Every night, every morning, in the afternoon or whenever it behooves you of all the great things you've done in the day, things that you're speaking of great, that you're grateful for. Like a gratitude list, it's the easiest way to change your brain chemistry. You literally write down on a piece of paper. So it's even more than just saying it to yourself. There's something about the pen going from your hand and your body, and the vibration going on to the paper. And what even works on a deeper level is reading them to someone else. But just writing...
3: I I hadn't thought about that, so this is good insight. I do it the the other way. I write down things that I've got to do. And eventually the the to-do list gets intolerably long, so I just neglect it for a few years until it's finally irrelevant.
2: Well, that's the perfectionism and the procrastination devils together. They right. love to hang out together. I know because I'm a list person. I write lists and lists and lists and lists, and then I procrastinate because the list is too long.
3: Right. And they're very they're very satisfying if you write a short list, if you write a list of things you've got to do when you go out to do chores. Right. And you realize, hey, I did every single one of those five things. But but it only only works if you keep it short because if you make it long, then it's inevitable and you're not going to get to it all.
2: I agree to have a short to-do list. I also suggest a long gratitude list. Mm -hmm. When you said short and simple, I was thinking, okay, on that gratitude list, it could be something as short as I got out of bed and simple. Right, right. So that your list becomes So long of things that you accomplished, you're going to start to... Like even just now thinking about it, my whole body demeanor changed. My shoulders started to relax and I could stand taller.
3: Right.
2: Once you are accepting non-judgmental tolerant of yourself, it's just going to pass everywhere. Because it comes from you. It starts with you. It starts inside of you. I'm so excited right now. I'm starting to smile. I feel like a change has happened as we've been speaking. I feel a lightness. I'm even hearing some laughter. You know, I just, do you feel, I feel a lightness and a brightness. And I feel you've grown already, even though you're saying you don't want to change. Well, you are. And you do want to change because you made a phone call. That's huge. That could go on your list today with leaps and bounds. Is that something you might be willing to do, is write on a piece of paper a gratitude list?
3: Yes, but I'm not going to commit to starting it today.
2: I love it. Thank you for being honest. Now, that is a huge character trait that could go on your list. When you, should you choose to accept this mission possible? You can start out with all of those because I see attributes in you that are so admirable. Your honesty, completely honest. Most people don't have that.
3: That's <laughs> that's part of that philosophy thing, you know. If you if you're honest with yourself, you, if you can't be honest with
4: yourself, you've got a big problem.
2: Yes. Well, I think you've uncovered and discovered a lot of layers there. I hope that helps. What I would love, John. Is if you would like to call back another time, let us know how it's going. I can see you already standing taller and letting go of some of that perfectionism, procrastination, all those things that have been getting in your way and making your world smaller and making your world bigger and rising. Those all sound like... Great goodies and things to get excited about. (laughs) Well, thanks. Those are gifts that the universe has waiting for you. Anytime you choose to receive them, they're all right there, right at your fingertips. You have them. You know all the answers. They're inside of you. Sometimes we just need a little nudge.
3: Right, right.
2: (laughs) I hope you have people in your life that nudge you. (laughs) <laughs> but feel free to call back anytime. Okay. Again, just so you know, I don't know from my readings if you could tell, or any of my prior shows or my YouTube, that you help other people. When you call into the show, you're helping me with your honesty. When you're honest, and you reveal what's going on inside of you, you are helping so many people. You are making your world bigger just by being who you are. So thank you for giving me a gift tonight.
3: Okay, and thank you for devoting your, devoting your time and energy and efforts to making this work for people, all of us.
2: Oh, I appreciate you so much and thanks for calling in and have a wonderful night. I hope this helps you get sweet, soft, soothing, sound, serene slumber. (laughs)
3: Okay, thank you
2: so much. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
5: Well, that's all the time we have. Tune in nightly at 9 p.m. Pacific Time and midnight Eastern Time to AmericanHeartsRadio.com for another enlightening episode of Sleepless in Studio City. Dr. Debs, Deemed the new relationship guru, a West Coast doctor, Laura, and East Coast Carrie Bradshaw, provides comforting, heartfelt help. She will lift your spirits, illuminate your mind, inspire creativity, promote positivity, and empower you to pursue your highest aspirations. You deserve to be the best version of yourself. If you'd like to be a guest caller, featured artist, or have your writing question answered on the show, feel free to contact Dr. Debs at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com and she'll schedule you for the next opening. For replay links, updates, and affirmations, please visit facebook.com sleeplessinstudiocity or twitter.com slash drdebs. Find full episodes on iTunes. You can also listen to five-minute excerpts on YouTube while watching a soothing, serene slideshow. Dr. Debs is available around the clock for telephone life coaching sessions and the first consultation is free. Contact her at sleeplessinstudiocity at gmail.com to arrange an appointment at your convenience. Dr. Debs will impart weekly wows, words of wisdom, and leave you with esteem builders and confidence boosters to help you transform from the inside out. Repeat often. Say them in the morning, in the evening, while driving, standing in line, or on a lunch break. Speak with conviction, and you will begin to believe. Without further ado, here's Dr. Debs.
2: Thank you, Maxie, for that endearing and enduring closing. You are the light of my life. You give me hope to carry on. You are the reason for the season, (laughs) the gift that keeps on giving. I'm eternally grateful for you having chosen me. For the miraculous, monumental, <laughs> marvelous, magnificent job of being your mom. I'm the luckiest parent on the planet. <laughs> I leave you with these words of wisdom from Maya Angelo in honor of Black History Month. <laughs> I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. (laughs) If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. (laughs) Love recognizes no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, Penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. (laughs) My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive, and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. (laughs) I leave you with these affirmations. I can, I will. End of story. (laughs) I am adventurous. I overcome fears by following my dreams. I feed my spirit. I train my body. I focus my mind. It's my time. (laughs) I am in charge of how I feel and today, I am choosing happiness. <laughs> I am my own superhero. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Peace out. After
0: midnight, we're going let it all hang. midnight, we're gonna let it all hang. I see. After midnight, we're gonna let it all hang.